Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Will Purdue. Will appears on the guest line presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael's a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call at 615-830-9458. Now on to our interview with Will Purdue. Will Purdue joins us on the show today. Of course, you know Will is the former SEC Player of the Year at Vanderbilt. He does lots of media work in basketball, which is keeping him super busy lately. And we'll keep him super busy for the next couple months. Will, thanks for joining us today. Hope you're doing well. Well, Chris, I'm doing well, except for that, uh, you know, freezing my buns off up here in Chicago. You look out the window (laughs) and it's beautiful, but I think it's like six degrees outside. Yeah. Very deceiving. Yes, it's uh, well. It's uh, always cloudy and thirty something here, so it's picky poison, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't yeah. think we've seen the sun since October. Well, it'll be spring soon enough, right? Uh, that's the hope. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it feels like winter inside the basketball program. Um, I don't know what you were doing when you got the text of the final score, if you were watching that game or whatever, but what was your reaction and what were your text messages like on Tuesday night? <sighs> um, not good. And uh, <laughs> thank God I was uh, working so that uh, I did not actually – now, I did DVR the game because my plan was to watch it later. But as I was kind of following it on Twitter, I hope and you scrapped that plan. Up, uh, I I would say I was leading up to the fact that I've actually erased it without watching it. I figured there's no need, so um, I have not watched it. Anxiously awaiting the old Miss game, but you know, needless to say, and I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest here in the sense that, regardless of what others say. Um, I kind of thought that, you know, listen, you know, let's just go back to the previous, let me, I pulled the schedule up so I could do this intentionally, you know, you play a very competitive game against Missouri, right? Quite honestly, you had a chance to win that against a, a team that, again, is a lot better than Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt played really hard. They played smart. Even though they lost, I felt like it was one of their better games, quite honestly. All right? Tennessee, again, competitive, respectable. Arkansas, in my opinion, huge win. Huge win. But that's what I mean, though, when I'm talking about this, you just – you know, let me move back to the South Carolina game before Missouri. You know, I feel like that, you know, as you went through these games, even though they weren't winning them and you win Arkansas, and, you know, Alabama, you lose by 12, Georgia, you win. You know, you're, we're now in this position where 
They're winning the games. Now, this is prior to the Alabama game. You've now, I feel like this team is settled in. You're winning the games you're supposed to win. And you're competitive in the other games. Now, you've, you've had some letdowns. You know, I, I, I felt like that um, the outcome could have been, should have been uh, different against Kentucky. That's just my opinion. Um, you know, surprised by the outcome against uh, Texas A&M, but we'll get into that in a minute. And I know I'm kind of rambling here, but then quite honestly, just stunned by the Alabama game and probably even more so by, you know, things that were said after the game that kind of, to me, kind of, you know, I did one of those, what? Your head snaps back and you're like, what's going on? Type things. The one of the weirder things about this will is just the casual nature of some of the things that are said. I mean, he's referred to the pre-conference portion as the preseason and using that to get ready. He used the phrase "scheduled loss" with regards to the Alabama game. Listen, I the the, the lack of urgency. I just here. I'm bewildered at where where does this come from? Yeah, well, let me uh, let me interject here for a second. I get what he was saying, and you you very rarely get that type of honesty from a coach because you know uh, the one thing that if you go back and and you, and you look at what's been going on this year. I know not at the moment, right? But I mean, Alabama and Purdue have kind of gone back and forth as far as the number one ranked team in the country. Would, would I, would you agree that's a correct statement? Yeah. And I, I know where you're going with this, but the correct answer to this, does this dress make me look fat as always? No. Right. <laughs> You're you're walking a tight line there, my friend. <laughs> you you know exactly what I mean. That the point is, right. there are just some things that are just better left unsaid, if for no other reason than for public perception. You're exactly right because sometimes it's not about what the truth is; it's about what the perception is. Okay, and that's why I mentioned the word. You know, probably more taken back by the things that have been said since that game, quite honestly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but before I go there, I'm going to go there here in a second, but let me just, I've been very fortunate. You know, I was at the Pittsburgh game and just how they found a way to win that game and win by one was, was very impressive. You know, the guys that were there, from uh, the 88 team and other alumni are there. We walked out of Memorial feeling very good about this team, headed in the right direction, right? Making progress. We talked about, you know, we wanted to see, see things happen this year, see a significant step forward. You know, and after that game, and I can honestly say, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of basketball up to that point, but to watch that team play against Pitt, right? <clears throat> I'll get to something in a minute. And then I got to see North Carolina State in person because it was here. 
you know, I didn't think they necessarily played that well, but they competed. They found a way to stay into the game. They found a way to put them in a position to still have an opportunity to win, even when I felt like they didn't play very well. All right, but what we've seen is the inconsistency of a huge win against Pitt, right? I, I thought that was really good because if I remember correctly, and I know that you know this terminology, point spread and things make some people nervous, but you know I think Pitt was favored at that game at Vanderbilt, but yet. I felt like Pitt was a better team, at least on paper, and you saw what they did. But then they had the loss against Grambling State. I understand we're talking about finals, and I understand you know what's coming and blah, 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 but that's just the amount of energy, both mentally and physically, that you exert. But to have that happen, that's just that shouldn't happen. That just, at the end of the day, shouldn't happen. But I know people will be like, all right, why are you digging up, you know, old wounds. Why are you picking at the scab? Because my point is that now you kind of have the reverse effect in the sense that you're, you're basically have backed yourself in a corner. And I feel like you have no choice now, but to respond to this old Miss game. You know, we use different terminologies like and I'll, I'm, I want to make sure I use this correctly. This has gone from a game you can win to now you, if I remember correctly, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ole Miss is going to be without its best two players uh, tomorrow. And let's, let's be very clear. We're uh, recording this podcast on uh, Friday afternoon on February 3rd. Ole Miss is going to be without their best two players. So now it goes from a game you could win to a game you should win to because of the Alabama situation. And you're now, you know, looking at, you know, three straight losses, a game you must win. So now we're talking about, you know, now we're, and maybe you can help me with the proper terminology here. It's more than just mental toughness, but now this comes to a, this isn't about talent, okay? This is about, and I understand Jerry said that this team was a step slow, but where was the competitiveness? Where was the the scrappiness that we've, that we've seen from this team? The, the level of uh, competitiveness that we've seen to come to expect, regardless of the end result, you know? That's what I didn't. That's what I didn't understand about how. Are you telling me that the difference between the Alabama program and the Vanderbilt program is that significant? That's probably what bothers me, you know, more than anything. So I ask you, and we'll, we'll get into these comments about what was said in the post-game press conference in a minute. But this is where now I felt like, and I made the statement, you have to respond in this whole Miss game. Not just compete, not just put yourself in a position to win, but you have to win this game. And this is, in my opinion, not to stem the tide of people calling for Jerry's job, not for you know fans wondering what's going on, but just because this is more about the, the – 
the statement that you're making to other teams in the SEC, the statement that you're making to former players, not just former students and alumni, but about where exactly what direction is this program going in? Because this is Jerry's fourth year. These are his players. This is his roster. And then that's where you kind of get into the point where now we can start talking about the comments. And I know it's kind of been the, 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 the long way of getting into this about, you know, him talking about, and I want to make sure I get this exactly right. Um, about him saying, we're going to play the guys who do the things right. I've been telling the same guys the same things for two or three years now. Obviously, that message isn't resonating. We're going to play the guys who do things the right way, and if that's sacrificing a few games, it's the long view of where we need to go and who we need to be. It's the message we're going to continue to send to our younger guys. Either way, we're going to get on board with, with it, or we're going to find some guys who will. I don't disagree with that statement, but what I what I find fascinating is the terminology now saying that, but saying that he's also been telling the same guys that for two or three years now. That's the part that now, you know, I kind of raise the eyebrows on and be like, so is there a communication problem? Is there a leadership issue? Is you know, because that's what I'm talking about as far. It seems like this team's more of an, on an emotional roller coaster than they are anything else. And that's what I find interesting, you know, from a situation about it seems like from what he says, they're having issues with veteran players. Yeah, I don't know if this occurred to anybody else while they're watching the game, uh, but the guy on the other sideline has been in the SEC exactly as many seasons as the one on Vanderbilt's sideline. And there's a little bit of a world of difference in those programs and how the players respond. And no, look, that is that is taking an extreme comparison. The worst night ever. No, but... I, it, but, 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 but and, and also with the coach who's... Yeah, right. But you got to also say that Oates, Oates uh, inherited a lot more talent and Stackhouse did. Let's let's be completely honest here, as as far as what he inherited. But the one thing that he has done is move the team, the reputation, and the culture forward. And that's where I think that we could say that's what has not happened in regards to the big picture, just in my opinion. I'm not saying that we haven't made steps forward, but I'm just talking about when you look at Alabama and you look at Vanderbilt, you know, I don't want to go the uh, performance-enhancing drugs route, but I'll just say it looks like Alabama has the car that's on nitrous and Vanderbilt has the car that's just underpowered. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, look, Will, you're hitting on the issue that from the moment he got here, everybody knew was going to be the issue. And that's my problem is when you can spot something the first few weeks a guy has been on the job that is a problem, 
And in year four, that issue is at the root of your problem. I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. Right. And I, and I listen, I know in this podcast, it's not a free flowing discussion right now. Um, I know my speech is somewhat uh, abruptly all over the place, um, hesitant, um, and almost to the point where my thoughts are, are scatterbrained because it's just, honestly, I'm having a hard time putting my hands around it, having a hard time understanding it. Um, I just, I had high expectations going into the season. I didn't expect this. Um, you know, I don't, I honestly say I don't understand the lineups. I don't understand the rotations, <clears throat> but I also have to say, I haven't picked up the phone to call and ask. Cause I don't think he quite honestly owes me an explanation. Um, he, and plus he doesn't have any interest in giving one because you guys have asked this question many times. And again, I always use the term, correct me if I'm wrong. Has he, really explained it to this point about why he's doing what he's doing. I know the last game, it, it, it came across as a disciplinary issue to send a message, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I think that, uh, who's the writer for the, um, the, um, hustler. Do they still call it that. They do. It's, it's Bryce Smith, I believe. Yeah. I thought he had a really good article in regards to, you know, how he went about approaching this subject. And, you know, I know he made a very strong statement about the culture. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that 100%, but like I said, I'm just, I'm not around the program as much as I'd like to be. Um, I don't live in Nashville. I just, I can't get to the games. I try to watch when I can, but you know, it's, it's just, and I'll be the first to tell you as everybody will take this full circle. You know, when Jerry got hired, Malcolm Turner called me and asked me if I would come to, uh, the press conference, Malcolm Turner called me on numerous occasions and, and asked me what I thought about Jerry Stackhouse. You know, I told him what I thought he did with, uh, Toronto's G League team, I think it was what, the 905, was very impressive. Um, I told Turner that I don't question whether he knows the game or not. The only thing, and I, I'll be very transparent, I said is, is that, you know, coaching in college is just a different animal. Recruiting has so much more to do with it, but it's just the sensitivity of these guys, the mis the 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 lack of understanding of how good you really are compared to how good you think you are and what everybody around you is telling you and the ability of a coach to be able to handle that, be able to get the best out of these players consistently make improvement and continue to keep everybody on the same page. And let me, step out of the, the stack house Vanderbilt conversation for a second and just tell you something about what I deal with on a regular basis. So I'm very fortunate with my gig at Westwood one 
and doing games with ESPN and all kinds of stuff. The best part about the gig is, you know, being at the games because, you know, that game's on national radio. It's, it's scheduled to not be a bad game. It's against two very good teams, right? But I've also had the opportunity to work in years past in the SEC network. And, you know, one of the things that makes this job very difficult for coaches at the college level is, you know, you're not only recruiting talent, Chris, but you're trying to find guys that are talented, that fit into the culture that you're trying to develop at that particular institution, whether it's Kansas, whether it's Vanderbilt, whether it's North Carolina, whether it's Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, you know, because it's, I think the, the one thing that's not talked about enough at the college level is chemistry. When I mean chemistry, I don't mean you don't, you don't have to like each other. You don't have to, everybody doesn't have to get along and sing kumbaya. But what you have to have is chemistry when you're on the floor. What you have to have is belief in one another. I may not like you as a person, but because of your work ethic and who you are and what you stand for when it comes to the game of basketball, I like playing with you. Now, off the floor, you and I, we're going to butt heads because of your beliefs or how you act or what you do with your free time. But as long as you come to practice, ready to practice and prepared and you're ready and you come to games ready to play and prepared both physically and mentally, I'm fine. But I'm talking about more of the chemistry on the floor. Once you cross that line, once you break the huddle, you know, are you on the same page? You know, do you have the same beliefs? Do you trust in your teammates? Do you feel like the coaches, the head coach and his staff are putting you in the best position to win? You know, and I was very fortunate to be on a lot of teams where that answer was yes. But I think that's something that, you know, coaches don't talk about enough. Fans don't talk about enough. And that's kind of a crapshoot because you're trying to identify talent, but also a personality of an individual that's going to fit in with what you're trying to accomplish and the players that we already have. Okay, number one. Number two that makes things so difficult for college coaches is parents. And I'm not, I'm not saying AAU basketball, but AAU coaches. Saying it's all because of AAU basketball is a cop-out, period. But some of these AAU coaches, but also the people that these players surround themselves with that are all a bunch of yes-men that tell these players how good they are when they're really not that good. They're good, but they're not great. And in coaches constantly getting phone calls from the 12th man on the bench who play, who's behind two All-Americans complaining that their son's not playing and you're hurting their possibility of an NBA career. So it's just not about, you know, the relationship with the coach and the player, but the relationship with the coach, the player, and the parents. And the AAU coach and all these people that are telling the player how great he is. You know, and this coach is stunning your growth. It's just, it's, it's not an easy job. And I think sometimes people don't realize how difficult a job it is, nor somebody coming from the NBA to college recognizing or believing or understanding how difficult the job is going to be. And I, so I, I agree with that. Quite honest. Yeah. Sorry. There was a pause there. And for I, a I think, um, and so, I'm sorry about, again, it's just, 
it, this is a difficult podcast because of what we're trying to accomplish here. And it's very difficult for me, you know, because I don't want people to sound like I'm, I'm clamoring for Jerry's job. I'm not. But what I'm saying is just, you know, we're, we are now in the fourth year. The expectation of the fan base and the alumni and former players is, is different than what, where we are at the present moment. He got a, he got a, uh, extension. Uh, I was surprised by the timing of that, you know, but listen, he, he addressed it er, uh, earlier this week, as far as security and the message he's getting from above. And, you know, I, I feel like still Jerry's a very confident guy. I still feel like he understands X's and O's, but just the comments that he made after the Alabama game, there's, there's a, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, what is it? Lost in translation. The message isn't getting through. Is it, is it the way you're, you're sending the message? Um, you know, does it need to be via cell phone and you're sending it, sending smoke signals? I don't know, but also, you know, it's just, you're at a point in the season where you should, this should not be an issue. This is not something that you should be talking about at this point. You know, this is, this is something that you should already have an answer to. You should already have a rotation and, you know, listen, the final thing I'll say in this long drawn out answer is, is that, you know, if there is something that where Jerry needs to make some improvement, it's, it's dealing with the media. Um, I know his emotions get the best of him sometimes and he gets frustrated. And I know for a fact, this isn't where he wants the, or the, the team to be or the direction that it's going. I mean, in, for lack of a better term, he's, he is struggling both men, mentally and emotionally with the losses. And I, I understand that. And I apologize for people that are listening. It seems like whenever we do these podcasts, I'm always doing laundry. Because <laughs> you can always hear the washer and dryer in the background. <laughs> I, gotta, I think I, we I have the same models because mine makes the same sound, too. <laughs> <laughs> but also, for those that are listening, just remember... I'm in a two-bedroom, two-bath condo in, in the city of Chicago that's only about 1,100 square feet. So that's why, you know, I can't necessarily go to another room so you can't hear that. It's kind of a loft style, so the, the noise travels uh, amongst the four walls. <laughs> and also, but, don't ever wash a maroon shirt that's new with your white clothes. Um, I learned about that as a freshman in college. Just going to throw that one in there to help the folks out. Well, it's funny you've mentioned that because my son's a freshman at Miami of Ohio. And um, I noticed as I was tracking him on his spending habits that he started to buy a few clothes on his own. And then when I asked him about it, he mentioned something about a mishap with the washer. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) At school. So I was like, ah, so you realize you just can't jam everything into a washer put the quarters in and, and, uh, slam the top shut. He goes pretty much. Yeah. That's a lesson uh, I have to learn twice when all, all my white clothes turned out pink. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But listen, to kind of put a bow on this for the moment, and we can get in more in the depth into the, the specific topics about what Jerry has said this week, since the Alabama game, you come back and you have a, impressive win against Old Miss. A lot of this goes away, but it's kind of like the situation. 
you know, I'm not forgiving him and I'm not using his statement to, hey, I forget. I'm just saying like when you have a relationship with somebody, they'll be like, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. So you go when you win Ole Miss and you win handily and impressively and you play as he was asked in this uh, press conference, maybe yesterday, you know, what is Vanderbilt's style? What is how they play? What is, you know, how hard they play defensively. You check all those boxes, you beat Ole Miss, this goes away. But the minute again, the minute you lose another game unimpressively, it comes right back to the surface. So this is where to really put this to bed and put this behind you. You got to win game. You got to win some games consecutively to say, you know, hey, we're moving in the right direction. We're improving. We're learning. Player, uh, uh, you're seeing the players get better. But I'm sitting here looking at the schedule, and I'm like, oh boy. Then after Ole Miss comes Tennessee, then Florida, and now okay, now we're back to okay South Carolina, Auburn, LSU. Oop, there's Florida again. There's Kentucky. I'm I'm as anxious as the next guy to see how this plays out. Quite honestly, Chris, and so you know, but unfortunately, I'm sitting down on the couch. Uh, with my beverage and my popcorn for different reasons than, hey, let's just see if they win or lose. And that's where we don't want to be as fans and as alumni. Yeah, and anytime you make a grab-your-popcorn reference, that means it's about to be interesting, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you meant it, but that's that's how I wanted to take it. No, um, it is. I mean, it's we would love to be in a position to where we don't have to question the effort. We don't have to question the rotations and why he's doing that and to wonder, okay, when you make a statement that you've been telling the, the, the same guys for two or three years, a certain message, why is it not getting through? We would love to be able to just sit down and watch a game and be able to judge it on whether they win or lost, not, not with their effort, not with, you know, other aspects, that are kind of outside the game of basketball itself. That's how I would love to be able to sit down and put, put my feet up with my popcorn and watch a game. You know, now with all these other questions about this, this late in the season. And I know when you say this late in the season, there's still got a big chunk of the SEC to go, but, you know, that's why you play all these games. That's why, as Jerry said, you play one of the more difficult schedules, you know, in the country. It's why you play Memphis and Temple and St. Mary's and Fresno State and VCU and Pitt, you know, and blah, North Carolina State, so that when you get to the SEC play, you're you're ready. You know what you have. You understand your rotations. You know what a player A, player B, player C, player D can and cannot do. How they help you win, and when you can and cannot play these guys. But it seems like that, you know, even with the difficult schedule, we're not at that point yet. So why aren't we? What's what's being lost in translation? Why is the message not getting through? What's what? Can you please explain the inconsistencies? And when you ask those questions, he, you know, we've seen it. That is the one thing I do get a chance to do is watch the games off DVR. And then I get to see the, you know, the postgame press conferences because everything's out there in social media. Everything's on YouTube. And I'm just, why am I still, you know, sitting here 22 games into the season? Because they're 10 and 12. Am I right? You are correct. 
why am I still sitting here scratching my head with some of these answers? This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Like things that I can quantify. And to back up a little bit, um, you and I had a little pre-podcast discussion where we were kind of trying to wrap our head around some things. I said, it's not, let's, I said let's just go ahead and have this discussion on the podcast because I think it makes it more interesting when people hear us sort of struggle through our thoughts and try to outline, outline them out loud. Um, wow. My dog is not liking this. Um, <laughs> we, I, I've happy done about the discussion either. <laughs> no, no, nobody's happy about this apparently, but I've done this. I, I like things that I can quantify. And so I went back and I have looked at Ken Palm, which is the, most popular analytic site out there for basketball. And I've taken their games that are in the top hundred. Vanderbilt is two and 12. No, excuse me. Two and 11 and gets the top 100. Hang on. Sorry, had to do a, a dog howling pause. Vanderbilt is 2-11 against the top 100 uh, with an average score, with the, with the scoring margin of minus 129. Um, the two games that is won, it beat Arkansas by 13 and it beat Pitt by one. If you just want to play a game of... Um, I guess, and outside the top 100, they've lost one game. That's to Grambling. So if you just wanted to sort of even the score by taking away a bad win with a bad loss, then you cancel out Grambling and Arkansas, and what you're left with is is one and eleven. If that makes sense, with that being a one point win over Pitt. Yeah, no, I yeah. totally get it, and that's why I say we walked away after that Pittsburgh game, feeling like things were going in the right direction, but. Yeah. You know, that's really kind of where that stops, which was unfortunate because, you know, I was, I was, even though you lost to, to North Carolina State and Grambling State, which, you know, you beat Alabama A&M, you beat Southwest Louisiana. So now here you are, you know, January 3rd, you start the SEC, and I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to it. And it's just kind of been, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll repeat it and it'll make this podcast a little repetitive, but watched every minute of the Missouri game live. Loved what I saw. 
that kind of fed into, you know, what I saw against um, Pittsburgh, you know, the effort that I saw against North Carolina State. Um, and that kind of continued. And then you got to win against Arkansas, you know, close Alabama. Again, trending in the right direction. But, you know, it's one thing to lose a game, but one thing to lose by 57. But yeah. what 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 you learn is is that again perception and reality are two totally different things. And the minute you had this Alabama game, it just seems like things have come up uh, have come apart at the seams. You know, now all of a sudden you get to look behind the curtain and everything that he's talked about, and you know how he's described it and what he said, and you're just like, man, with these we've gone into some areas that I didn't think we'd go to in a post-game press conference. And then, uh, you know, later in the week, you know, things that we've discussed about my job is, is secure and, and, you know, the message I'm getting from above. And so I'm just like, man, it's just, it's kind of like all over the place here. And what, what we would hope at, at this point, 22 games into the season, you know, going into your 10th SEC game that, you know, there would be a solid direction and you, you would hope that everybody's on the same page and, you know, I just, again, it, it's just oh, baffling, whatever, but it's just, I'm again, I, I'm just anxious to find out, you know, what we see against Old Miss. Because right now, with the number of games that I've watched, two in person, I can honestly say, and for what how Jerry's been answering questions since the Alabama game have no idea what I'm going to see tomorrow. None. That's frustrating, but I'm just, let me, but also let me be, be clear before we go to the mailbag and, and let me, again, I, I think I want to apologize for the abruptness, the lack of fluidity for this. Cause I think, a lot of the podcasts we've done over the past, Chris, have been smooth. I think they've been very good. I think that, you know, they flowed very well. They're easy to follow. You know, I can honestly say I'm not necessarily too happy with, you know, how this has gone about, but it's also been a very, it, it, quite honestly, it's been a lot more difficult to do this particular podcast today than I thought. You know, you reached out earlier in the week and asked if I could do this. And I said, absolutely. Um, you know, I went back and did all my research, read as many articles as possible, gone back and watched press conferences to try to get as much firsthand information as possible, not hearsay, not, you know, so-and-so told me, but it's just been, you know, because of the difficulty of this and what my feelings were after seeing them play in, pit, in person against Pitt and also against North Carolina State to where we are now, it's just a hard pill to swallow and it's really hard for me to explain myself, you know, in the sense of, you know, what my emotions are, what my feelings are, you know, because I, I want to give Jerry the benefit of the doubt because I'm not there every day. I'm not in practice. You know, I was fortunate enough to see practice prior to the pit game. And, you know, it's just, I think the best way to put it is, and I've mentioned this, you know, as we, as I talk to former players and we, we, have text threads and, you know, we go back and forth. We just didn't feel like in year four of the Jerry Stackhouse era 
this is where we would be. We, we thought that, as you just pointed out, we would be much better situated, like let's just say Alabama, not you know competing with Purdue for who's the best team in the country earlier in the year, but you know a program that is that is solidly in Joe Lenardi's uh, week by week top sixty four teams who's in the tournament discussion, and quite honestly, we're nowhere close. Our mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, please give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, we got about 10 minutes, so I'm going to have to be selective here, but I like this one to start. Go Go Doors 94 asks, if you could go back in time and give Stack advice when he took the Vanderbilt job, what would you tell him? Well, I would tell him the same thing that I told Candace Lee when she took, she slid over a seat and took the head job. I, and this is, um, this is still the advice I would get, even though I know Chancellor Deermeyer and I've had the opportunity to get to know him a little bit. And he's looked at me square in the eye and told me about how important athletics is to this university as a whole. And until he proves me wrong, I still believe him. But the one thing that I would go back and tell Jerry, because I, I, and I'll be very transparent and frank with this, I don't have a relationship with Jerry. I mean, I talked to him for a little bit, you know, him and his family on the day that he, you know, was announced as the head coach. Since then, I've had very little uh, interaction with him. Did get an opportunity to talk to him in Pittsburgh. But, you know, to answer the question, um, I would go back and tell him that he has to be Vanderbilt's just different. It just is. It's, it, if you haven't gone to school there, if you haven't de- dealt with administration, if you haven't spent a lot of time on campus, it's just different. You know, it, it's really hard for me to put it into words and I don't want to drag out an answer in the sense of, uh, you know, to, to explain my answer. But at the end of the day, both Jerry, uh, both Clark Lee, Every coach there has to be willing to put their job in jeopardy to a certain extent by making certain statements, whatever it may be. If you don't feel like the administration is behind you 100%, if you don't feel like you are giving every opportunity to win, you have to be able to stand your ground and and make that note. In my opinion, at Vanderbilt more than any other university. Um, and I told Candace the same thing. If you're not given the opportunity, if you're not given the resources, if you're not put in a position to where you can succeed as the athletic director at Vanderbilt and truly help Clark Lee and, and, and Shay and Jerry, and you have to, announce that you have to put your job on the line to let people know it's not you it's them they're not putting you in a position to succeed because nobody should be put in that position if you're going to take a job with that much power and that much responsibility you have to be given the resources in order to succeed 
Now, a lot of that, those resources are at your, at your responsibility when that, what I mean by that is recruiting. And I know a lot of coaches are very confident in their abilities, but also it's just, it's difficult and different recruiting at Vanderbilt than it is at any other school in the SEC, period. It just, you can't refute that. And I know coaches are told that. I'm just not sure if they truly understand that until after they've taken the job. Jor Fan asks, with an SEC record of 16-54, and 54, including failing to beat Tennessee, Kentucky, or Florida in going on four years, and losing the players they are losing, is there any legitimate reason to think next year will be better if Jerry Stackhouse returns? Well, we kind of have to see how the rest of this season plays out because, like I said, if he can somehow find a way to get everybody back on board, get everybody on the same page, everybody with the same vision and the same trust and belief. Who knows what can happen, but you got to, you got to string together, you know, some wins. And I'm not talking about win one, lose one, win two, lose one. I'm talking about, you know, can we put together three, four five wins against quality opponents? And when I say quality, I mean an SEC win is quality because that's something this organ, this program has been lacking for a while is, you know, SEC wins. So, you know, if that doesn't happen, then you have to ask yourself what leads you to believe that next year is going to be any different. Um, unless, you know, he hits a home run with a transfer portal. Or should I say home runs, plural. So yeah. that's just, it's kind of a wait and see. Baseball bros, and this might be the last one we have time to get into, depending on how long your answer is. Uh, as a former player, what is the mood amongst the alumni, former players about Stack, and does Stack do anything in regards to keeping the alumni as part of the program? Well, let me. This is it's kind of a. It's a, it's a difficult question to answer, honestly. So let me take it step by step. I know that there's, let's just put it this way. There's two different factions when it comes to alumni, when it relates to Vanderbilt. There are those that are all in. Um, they truly believe in Candace. They truly believe in the university. They, you know, they want so badly for this to be the right coach, the right direction, the right purpose. So, you know, they've, they're just, what can I say? What can I do? How can I help? You know, they're that group. Um, and if you ask them that question, they'll tell you that everything's great. We're all good. We're certainly headed in the right direction. Um, you know, the future is bright, all that stuff. And then there's the other faction of, of former student athletes who are taking a wait and see stance. And I'll honestly tell you, that's me. 
I'm taking a wait and see stance. Um, the one thing I will tell you, and I think that people that have listened to our podcast over the last year or however long we've been doing this now, understand that I'm fully on board with Clark Lee and fully on board with Vanderbilt football in the direction that they're going. Um, you know, I've been on board with Corbin for years because that what he's done speaks for itself. That's all we need to say. Um, but one thing that I, I will say this, and I want to give Candace credit where credit is due and, and Tommy McClellan credit where credit is due and what they're doing, you know, they're, they're making headway on that new basketball basketball facility right there um, in between McGugan and the Marriott. You know, they're, they're, they're working on it. They're making progress. Things are happening. You know, they've had, they got a timeline, the whole thing. So I'm very pleased with that. And for that, I want to say thank you to Tommy and, and Candace uh, for pushing that through and for making that happen. And, you know, Chancellor Deermeyer. Um, but yet, uh, you know, unfortunately for them, it's, it's a lot slower than a lot of, of, of us that are in the wait and see category would like to see, but it, we are making progress. Let's, let's leave it at that. Um, so I think you're kind of split, but let's, you know, and I, and from what I've seen on TV, the crowds at Memorial have gotten better and, you know, there seems to be more student support, but if we don't win some games, does that continue? Are you still behind the team when they're not winning? And that's, again, where we kind of have this unknown doubt. Uh, we'll see. So I guess you could say that the best way to say it is it's kind of a, a neutral feeling. You know, we, we feel like that the, the car is in neutral, but it's something that can be fixed. But it might take a little money. So the question is, is it going to get it fixed so, uh, sooner rather than later? There's a lot of us that unfortunately feel like that's the later feeling than the sooner feeling. Um, so we're just, you know, and it's kind of funny. And I know, okay, so we now know that this is going to be the last answer because of the time commitment, but you made an interesting statement. You like to be able to quantify things, correct? Yes. I. I also like to quantify things. I like hard evidence. I like numbers. I was always more successful in math than I was English. Um, I, I, I like proof is in the pudding. I, I want results. I like things I can see things I can wrap my, my hands around. Um, you know, so forensics, however you want to call it. And that's kind of what we're waiting for is the hard evidence. You know, I have this inkling and it, and also the other thing, Chris, that makes it so, so difficult is when you get your emotions involved, you know, I wish I could deal with this thing unemotionally, but I just, I can't because of my history of, you know, spending five years on that campus and the things that I did and what I went through and, you know, the, the times that I've put forth the hand and I've tried to help and I've you know, tried to bridge the gap and, 
And again, I think on a whole, I think that this program on a whole, and I'm going to say on the whole, athletics as a whole is moving in the right direction. But yet there are certain aspects of the whole that are lacking, that are holding it back. And that's where I'm hoping that Candace and Chancellor Deermeyer are continually on the same page and, you know, constantly pushing it forward. And then unfortunately, it seems like at the moment, and I'll kind of close at this, that, and, I'll, and I want your opinion on this. From what I see, from what I've experienced, the direction that programs are going in, the results, the stuff that I can quantify, it seems like that, you know, men's basketball is the one that's kind of lagging behind. I mean, Shea was a great hire for, and I'll, I'll admit, I wouldn't say I was, you know, I didn't want Shea, but I felt like there was other, other uh, applicants that were probably better fitted. But Shea has done an outstanding job. I mean, what she's been able to accomplish in the short time period that she's been there is, is quite honestly, with what was there in the cupboard, is outstanding. I mean, she's, she's a magician, whatever else you want to call her. So that's when I say, you know, I'm a big fan of, of um, Yellowstone. And those that know about that know that, you know, they're, they're moving the cattle from one, one field to the other. And that every once in a while, there's a, there's a calf that gets away. And I just feel like that men's basketball is that calf and, we're trying to get it back into the herd and move and have everybody in every, every sport moving in the right direction. Is, it, is that a good analogy? Yeah. Um, how do I put this? <laughs> not, not that, not that cows can reason. Um, <laughs> but but if they could, they I would say listening to sound advice um, and developing a sound process are key to getting where you want to go. And I'm just not sure that's ever going to be the case. So now, that being said, I want to end. I want to end on a good positive note. Okay. So, and I know this isn't a mailbag question, but this is where, this is why I think things are turning for the better. At least we'll go back to, you know, one of my favorite things to discuss is football. And again, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but according to what I'm seeing on, on social and what's going on. Vanderbilt is making considerable headway in stemming the tide and turning, uh, flipping opinions on, you know, local recruits, commitments, getting um, people, fans, local high school coaches to buy back in onto what Vanderbilt can do for your players and the reasons why your guys should come to Vanderbilt and not go to other schools outside of Nashville. 
And with that, um, I guess we're done today because you're up against um, a deadline, I guess, so to speak, of where you need to get to go. So uh, with, with that, we'll close unless you've got parting thoughts we didn't get to. Uh, no, sir. I'm done. And again, I want to apologize for, you know, it's like uh, we've been driving this car uh, for the last uh, 50, 55 minutes over a road full of potholes. And we haven't done a very good job of, of missing the potholes. So it's it's been a rough, been a rough broadcast podcast. But that's just, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be smooth. But that's just what makes, you know, talking about Vanderbilt basketball, talking about progress, you know, trying to remove, remove your emotions from the equation and give, quantify your answers, feel like you have evidence and not just be throwing out a bunch, you know, of wild opinions. It's, it's going to be difficult at times and it's, it's, it's not going to be what you want or what you expect, but yet, you know, you feel like that you accomplished something. Hey, I, I know a guy who's, uh, been stuck about seven years on the podcast roundabout uh just pointing the kids towards big ben if you want to use that analogy so anyway yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I, I i have to admit you got a chuckle out of me that's pretty good hey kids big ben <laughs> <laughs> hey kids big ben one of these days we're going to get off the roundabout uh that, our best oh, hope for man. that is baseball that's, that's that starts in two right weeks there, I, I couldn't help but think when you when you brought Rhodes into it and like, yeah, yeah, been there. All right. Hey, Will, in all seriousness, thanks for joining us. And um, hopefully we'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. I know your your schedule is challenging because this is the time where you're traveling a lot for for basketball, not just with the Bulls, but you do some college stuff. You'll be doing a lot of March Madness, but um I think we will have some something interesting to talk about one way or the other, however this resolves. We always do. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. We'll talk to you later, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones, DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk, Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group, and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon. <laughs>